にちは皆さん。ビジネスサクセスジャパンのポッドキャストへようこそ。Hello everyone and welcome to the Business Success Japan podcast.This is your host, Lydia Bukeman.This podcast is made for those who want to develop or strengthen the communication skills, cultural savvy, insights into current trends and conditions, and mindsets that are essential in a Japanese business environment. The helpful, practical suggestions and engaging insights offered here provide listeners with the in depth cultural context needed to achieve their own version of success while collaborating with Japanese counterparts. In today's episode, I get to share the second half of my conversation with Nikki van Ingenschnell, founder of the tour company Tokyo Tours. Nikki is a single mother and entrepreneur with one leg firmly planted in Amsterdam and one in Tokyo. If you want to hear more about her background and the founding of her company, be sure to check out the previous episode. In this episode, she'll be sharing more about her personal life living and starting a family as a foreign woman in Japan. Again, I'm always looking for ways to make sure that this podcast is an easily accessible resource for my listeners, so please be sure to let me know what you think about the recent two episode format I've been trying out with these longer interviews. I mean, Japan is also a country that is absolutely not flexible because people always have this assumption like, oh, you know, Japanese have amazing customer service and customer is king. Up to a certain extent. If you have any special requests, like in America, I would like this burger, but without the this, and then add the this, and then maybe deep fry it instead of grill it. And you know that that is not a thing in Japan. They do not accommodate you for anything. So if you have, if you want everything the way they prepare it, it's fine. And of course, they're going to be polite and going to help you. But if you have anything special, then yeah, they're not going to do it. Like, Try to sit at a table for four with five people. You're not gonna be able to pull it off. It's, the answer is no, it will always be no. Or, like, if you go to a breakfast buffet, ask for a takeout bag, it's not gonna happen. They're just going to not do it. So, yeah, that as far as culture shock goes, those were definitely things that I needed to take into consideration. Also, you know. Like, even when people can speak English, they usually are not comfortable speaking English. So, this is very common. <laughs> If you want to speak to people or ask them for directions or anything, this means please don't ask me, just go away. And、uh... so, yeah, Japanese people are not always that helpful because they don't like things to go differently than they. Always go. So, if you have any kind of special request or any kind of weird question or you need any kind of help, they prefer to just not get involved because that way they cannot make any mistakes and everything is safe. But as soon as they kind of get in there and start helping, then there's a lot of opportunity for、uh, error. And that's something most Japanese people are very uncomfortable with. So it's not necessarily that they don't want to help you, but it's just too stressful. So they'd rather just stay out of it, let someone else take care of it. So they'll just ignore you and just、uh, go about their business. And coming back to the Netherlands, My first reverse culture shock was、uh, I went to the grocery store and they had some kind of promotion where for every 10 euros you spent, you would get this sticker. And if you had five stickers, you would get a discount for something. So 
I bought something for 23 euros and I went to the cashier like, oh, this is my receipt. And I would like to have the stickers. And then the lady went like, <laughs> and she tore it off and gave it to me. And I was like totally shocked, like, oh my God, what just happened? And she was like, yeah, no one wants the stickers, please. If I can help you with it and it's something that makes you happy, please have them. Otherwise we'll just throw them out. And in Japan, I mean, even if it's, to no consequence to the cashier, then she'll she'll be like, no, but the rule is one per 10 euro. So you'll get two stickers and rules are rules. There's no exceptions. So, and here in the Netherlands, it's just like, no, let's see what the situation is. Let's look at your personal circumstances. Let's take everything into consideration. And you know, uh, sometimes people will actually be fighting amongst themselves to try to be the one that can help you where you're like, oh my God, what's happening? So uh, yeah, definitely very different. And you know, in the Netherlands, it's more customary to just, if you are paying your bill or something like, uh, yeah, if you, if you come somewhere regularly, like, oh yeah, good to see you again. How's it going? Nice weather, that type of thing. I mean, I'm not saying that it's, it doesn't happen at all in Japan, but generally speaking, people are more private, more towards themselves. It would not be uncustomary to consider someone your friend for years and years and years and then suddenly get a wedding invitation to be invited to their wedding where you're like, this did this fiance just drop out of the sky? Did they just magically appear? Could you not have mentioned that you were seeing someone? Why is this the first time I even heard about the fact that you are planning a wedding? What's going on? So yeah, they try to keep it more on the surface and unless they get like stupid drunk, they're not going to tell you anything private. So it's a different approach. It's a different type of friendship. You need to be able to handle that type of situation. It's not going to be like in the Netherlands or in the States where someone will ask you, so how are you doing? And, oh, I'm glad you asked, actually. And then give your whole life story. And that's not a thing in Japan. Yeah, definitely manage your expectations in that. So then would you mind getting a little bit more personal <laughs> and telling us about your experiences with pregnancy and giving birth in Japan. I feel like that's something that it's hard to get very good information on for foreigners in Japan. So it would be great if you could just share a little bit of your experience. Oh, yes, of course. So yeah, I right before coming to Japan, I thought having a child might be a, might be nice. I mean, I didn't have a... I, a job at the time when I came to Japan. So I thought I would have the time for it, not have a busy life like in the Netherlands. And uh, getting pregnant was difficult for me. So I tried for a few years and then decided to go to hospital to do the whole fertility routes. And that was such a surreal experience. I would uh, go to the hospital the doctor would not speak English I would go to a local hospital so my husband would come along and I would be there like half naked there would be this curtain in right at where my belly was so my head would not be visible for them they would be sitting there with my everything exposed they would be talking amongst themselves about me 
So I'd be like, excuse me, <laughs> it's about me, you know, maybe ask me or, you know. So, um, yeah, that was weird. And I did the whole fertility treatments and then finally I became pregnant. In Japan, pregnancy is not considered a regular thing uh in the way that um it's not covered by basic health insurance so every city and every ward within the city will have their own budget for it so you, you'll get these vouchers and um if you use the voucher you can get a free checkup but if there's anything else that needs to be done like blood work or something like that you'll still need to pay a certain amount usually it's not that bad and as far as the delivery itself goes, you'll get some government assistance, but it can still be quite expensive depending on which hospital you go to. If you need any uh, anesthetics or any like uh, medical procedure, like um, a cesarean or anything like that, then it can become quite expensive. Or you want a private room or something. Also, Japanese people tend to think differently about pregnancy so they feel that gaining between five and seven kilograms is considered normal and anything over that is considered excessive so you will get an ultrasound at every checkup which is quite unusual for uh, Dutch people and uh, the basic well I mean, it's not impossible, but basically everyone delivers in a hospital. So it's really hard to have a home delivery. It's not impossible, but yeah, it's difficult to arrange. And uh, yeah, if you start to gain more than five kilograms, they will take you apart and to talk about the um, dangers of um, obesity, pregnancy and uh, that kind of thing. And also... Like in the Netherlands, if you're over 35, you're considered a geri- it's considered geriatric pregnancy. So you will just get all of the um, blood work and all the stuff that needs to be done. And in Japan, you have to ask for it. So if you don't ask for, oh, I need this blood work, I need this test, I need this, then they're not going to do it. Also, Japanese doctors do not like to explain anything to you for two reasons either they feel that you are inept and because you do not have a medical degree they cannot have a proper conversation with you at their level so they prefer not to say anything or and they think you might get worried And they don't want to deal with that. So they rather not say anything uh, lest you get worried and start asking questions and try to avoid that at all costs. So normally at 20 weeks, you will get an ultrasound and regular doctors <laughs> will explain everything like, oh, here's the head and this is going on and this is how tall the baby is and all of that. So I was there. There was a screen for the ultrasound. I tried to turn it so it was facing me and the the ultrasound person was putting it back like uh no so i was asking questions like oh can you explain something to me can you give me more details and the answer was no 
everything is okay I'm like uh can you maybe elaborate on that like what do you mean no 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 everything is okay and that's all they wanted to say so basically that was the tipping point for me as an emotional hormonal mom like ah So I went to the one doctor in Japan or the one that is most famous, Dr. Sakamoto, who handles like 80% of all the non-Japanese pregnancies. He is expensive, and uh, but at least he knows uh, foreign women and he knows our anxieties and he explains everything to me. Uh, so he asked me, oh, you have a geriatric pregnancy. Did you do all of these tests? I said, well, I assume I did. That would be considered standard, no? And he said, oh, no, you you missed the deadline. But uh, so it doesn't matter. You can't do it anymore anyway. I'm like, excuse me? He said, no, 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 it's fine. Let's just do the ultrasound and check everything. I'm sure everything will be all right. So, um, yeah, fortunately, everything went well. But, uh, yeah, in Japan, you definitely have to be very vocal and ask for everything yourself and read into what is customary what do you need and make sure that they do it for you and uh, of course all of the test results are going to be in Japanese so if you cannot read it make sure you have someone available who can because the doctor is not going to explain anything to you and uh, yeah also the ultrasounds the machines are calibrated differently so the results might not be completely accurate, accurate because they are calibrated towards Japanese babies. So if you have a mixed child or a foreign non-Japanese nationality, then the results may uh, be different. And uh, fortunately, when I went to Dr. Sakamoto, he was like, yeah, you can just gain weight. It's fine. So in the end, I gained like 10 kilograms, which is on the low side for a Dutch woman. But in Japan, they were like, 10 kilograms. Oh, my God, that's crazy. You never have that. Well, you all have low birth weight. So, of course, you're not going to have big babies. And uh, all of them are basically underweight, if you ask me. But in any case. Also, when you give birth, you're going to stay for five days in the hospital, which is uh, nice in a way, but also lots of rules and regulations. So you cannot leave the baby by itself for one minute. So the shower room and the toilet were not inside my room. So I needed to go outside. And the first time I went out, and the nurse came up to me like, <gasps> What are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. You cannot leave your baby by yourself. I'm like, I'll be gone for like a minute. I just need to pee. Yeah, but that's uh, like, if I were at home right now, there would not be anyone complaining about me going to the bathroom, right? What's the difference? But they're like, no, 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 no. So first you need to take the baby to this place where all of the baby beds are next to each other so all the moms that just want to have some rest or they're taking a shower or whatever they have the baby there and uh, at first being super sleep deprived I would just put my baby at the end go back take the last bed at the end and walk back and then one time there was this mom like oh my god what are you doing my baby my baby and then I looked down like oh you're right that's not my baby <laughs> 
here. So sorry about that. So uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, different from uh, European births or um, births in the United States. Also, I asked them, what if I need an epidural? They said, well, then you have to give birth uh, between the office hours of the anesthesiologist. I'm like, what do you mean? There's no anesthesiologist 24 hours? No, the anesthesiologist goes home uh, at five. So if you still haven't given birth, then uh, you're not going to get an epidural. Okay. (laughs) So fortunately, Dr. Sakamoto can also give an epidural so he can um, provide it if you're not at a regular hospital and you don't have to worry about all this um, anesthesiologist leaving at a certain hour. Yeah, so that was also very different from what I was used to. And uh, But the, the good thing is you get three straight meals a day. Uh, right in the early morning, you might not be uh, very interested in grilled fish and uh fermented soybeans uh, wafting at you at 8 a.m. But uh, yeah, I mean, the miso soup is nice, the rice is nice, and you'll get used to it. It's it's very nutritious, and it's all towards helping you with the, be able to give breast milk. They're really good at trying to help you produce the milk if that's something you want to do. If you want to bottle feed, there's no stigmas there, so you can just bottle feed if that's what you want. And then they'll teach you how to bathe the baby. The baby is wearing a tiny little kimono made out of um, kind of like towel material, so that's super cute. Obviously, you're not allowed to have it, so uh, you have to give it back at the end. But that's really nice. And then after five days, you can take the baby home. So it's a really good experience. And the nurses come around every two hours or something to check up on you. Like, how is this little one doing? So, yeah, that is really nice. Yeah, thanks for sharing your experiences. It just really is important to understand that, at least in my experience as well, anything that falls out of kind of the ordinary or anything that's not standardized will often just not fit into doctor evaluations, things like that. Because in my experience, when I had a physical, I got flagged for an issue with one of my organs and I thought I was dying because it just said, oh, (laughs) you're getting a failing grade on this organ. And I actually went to a Dutch doctor in a nearby city and he was like, actually, it's just because you have more muscle mass than the average Japanese person. So that's why they said your organs were failing. So then would you mind sharing a little bit more about any other challenges you may have faced in your life straddling um, Japan and the Netherlands? Uh, Yeah, well, you know, at the beginning of my relationship, I was living here in Amsterdam with my Japanese husband and uh, everything was equal. We both had a full-time job, so we were sharing all the domestic burdens and we were sharing uh, the financial burdens as well. And we both had our own lives and I was quite independent. And then I came to Japan and suddenly I didn't have my own money. I didn't have my own job. I had to ask for money. Can you give me money so I can buy groceries? And I needed help for basically the most mundane things like, oh, can you translate this for me? Or someone would be at the door and uh, then in the evening, my husband would be like, 
why did you just subscribe to this subscription for the next two years? I'm like, I just said yes to everything. It was too confusing. And he said, oh, no, this is terrible. Well, what am I supposed to do? So yeah, it was so challenging and our relationship really changed. And at first he was like, oh, you know, these crazy Japanese. And soon he was one of those crazy Japanese. So he kind of got into the flow of things and went out with his coworkers and adopted this different mindset of what was normal and what wasn't so our relationship really suffered because of that and we kind of grew apart and yeah you know basically that was the beginning of the end where our marriage was concerned so if you are a couple then you need to make sure that there are ways that you can strengthen your relationships so do stuff together have date nights uh, have a common interest share your stories and uh, share your anxieties talk about what's on your mind and how you're feeling which obviously we didn't do uh, enough so yeah that's how our marriage uh, eventually stranded and i decided during covid that it would be a good time for me to uh, go back to the netherlands so yeah it can definitely be a big strain on your marriage and at least if you're an expat you know that it's going to be for a few years and then you're going to move back but if that is not the case and there's no end date in sight then yeah it's it's difficult to adjust yourself to living this new life and in this new culture and you're so far away from your friends and your family and what's normal and your values and what you want out of life that it's kind of difficult to or actually it's easy to lose sight of yourself and who you are so it's not just moving to a new country. I mean, that's super exciting. And at first it's like a honeymoon and it's it's really amazing. And every day you experience something new, but the honeymoon period is over. And then you started to think about your own identity. Like, who am I as a person? And also if you go to parties, I don't know how it is in other countries around the world, but especially in the Netherlands, your identity is very strongly linked to your profession. So the first thing people ask you is, so what do you do? And then if the answer is housewife, uh, learning Japanese, unemployed, then you can see them shift their focus and like, oh, I think I see someone over there. I'll talk to you later. It was fun meeting. Let's catch up later. And then they're off. So that can also be very challenging. Like, who am I as a person? Am I still valued? Do I still make a difference? What is my place in society? I mean, just generally speaking, women in Japan have a very different role in life than in Europe or in the United States. So that's definitely something that that bias is definitely something you will face along the way at least once or twice. Obviously, being a foreigner, sometimes people look at you a bit differently, but still, um, yeah, there's the average age in Japan is around 50. So a lot of the people you will meet are going to be men or people over 50 or both. And they just have a very different way of looking at things and thinking about things. And it's not 
necessarily very female friendly or very female oriented or very family friendly like I've talked to people that were like yeah my dad was never around he was always working and if he he wasn't working he was out with his co-workers or golfing with his co-workers or doing some work related events or anything so um the whole family dynamic and family life in Japan has a very different connotation and very different way of uh, looking at what's important in life and what you should value and how you should live life. And um, work is definitely <laughs> right up there. So you need to focus on your work and you need to be responsible and you have to be there every day. And family is definitely not as important as work. So yeah, no matter what happens, if your boss calls and say, you have to go to the office now, then you have to go to the office now. That is just uh, the way it is. So also mental health, there's no such thing. So if you have any kind of, mental issues or emotional issues if it cannot be solved by popping a pill then it doesn't exist and we prefer not to talk about it and um, just talk amongst your friends or whatever just don't bother me with it so yeah life can be definitely challenging in Japan so it does require a certain kind of person I feel in my experience, people who are on the spectrum in one way or another tend to do better in Japan than people who are not, because Japan is all about rules, regularity, you know what to expect, everything is according to a certain order, they don't like, like you said, anything that goes outside of the uh, path, forged path is not something they want to think about so um, if you have that kind of personality then Japanese uh, Japanese culture and Japan is going to be amazing and you're going to fit right in and feel really at home but if that's something you struggle with in a normal day-to-day life in outside of Japan then it might be a bit challenging when you are coming to Japan so you definitely need to Take that into consideration and the Japanese mindset. And they're not going to change for you. This is the way they are. If you cannot cope with it, then tough luck. Then just don't do it, I would say. Yeah, it's just a lot of things to be aware of. A lot of good things about Japan also have things that come along with it that are more challenging and vice versa. So the more you can be aware of that before you actually pack up your bags and move there, the better off you'll be for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially for traveling, Japan is the most amazing country in the world. It basically has everything. You can go to a ski resort and a tropical island in the same week. Uh, It has all the foods that you ever wanted to try and then some, some you never even considered. Every region and even within Tokyo, every ward has their own culture and their own things so if you are open to that and you are very aware what's going on and you look at the people like if you go to Ginza compared to Shitamachi that is a completely different world completely different people or if you take Tokyo and Osaka that is like completely 180 degrees cultural difference 
or Kyoto even, that's also a completely different kind of person and the islanders are completely different and the northerners are different. So if you are aware of that, then it's really fun to see all the differences and all of the local foods. Japanese people are very much into food. So every region has their own unique taste and their own unique dish so definitely try to uh, have some of that because it, it will only enhance your experience when you're in japan great for sure so if you were chatting with somebody who is going to japan for business more specifically either to start a business or to work in japan and you only had time to tell them one thing about the country or its culture ahead of time what would you tell them um play by the rules <laughs> Make sure that whatever situation you are in, you're well prepared and you know what the rules are. Because something as stupid as uh, walking into a boardroom and sitting over by the alcove can also uh, can already mean the beginning of a fruitful relationship or a disastrous end to what you were trying to achieve. So be aware of these. And of course, as a foreigner, you can get away with a bit more than norm, normal Japanese people can. But yeah, try to do your research and try to prepare well and uh, try to abide by all the rules. So it wouldn't hurt to uh, read up on Japanese culture and especially Japanese business culture, because even something as stupid as not knowing where to stand inside an elevator, because that even has its own hierarchy, if you stand all the way towards the back of the elevator, that is kind of the top position. So you might not want to stand there. That can be like make or break moments. So yeah, it's all in the details. <laughs> so is there anything you wish that we had talked a little bit more about or anything you wish I had asked you during our conversation today? I think we covered most things. I mean, yeah, Japanese, I have a bit of a, a love-hate relationship with Japan, but I don't want to come across as someone who's very negative about Japan. Japan is an amazing country. The people are very amazing too, but you just, they have their own user manual. So basically if you understand the user manual and you can speak at least, at least a little bit of the language and you are very open and sensitive to what's going on around you, you're going to have an amazing time. Yeah, great. I think that's a great place to end today. So thank you so much for sharing your time today. Yes, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. If you did, please go ahead and share it with a friend, colleague, or connection on LinkedIn to help spread the perspectives and information shared in the podcast. And please remember to go ahead and subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using, and also leave a rating and review if you enjoyed the podcast. If you would like to support the podcast, please check out my link to the show's coffee page to keep me well-caffeinated and making content. As always, feel free to email me at businesssuccessjapan at gmail.com if you have any other questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes or interview topics. I'd love to hear from you directly, so if you'd like to leave a voice message, you can find the link to do that in the description as well. But for now, remember that the more you learn, the more confident you will become as you explore all of the opportunities Japan has to offer you. Until next time, mata kondo! Thank you.